What's going on, my friends? Welcome on out to Behind the Energy Podcast, where we dive into behind the scenes of DJing, entrepreneurship, and all the excitement in between. We got some friends, some cool people joining us, and a lot of fun stories. So without further ado, let's jump into Behind the Energy Podcast. Uh, what's up, party people? It's episode 26 of Behind the Energy Podcast. Uh, welcome, welcome, my boy Brandon Estrada. Uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna make a stupid joke. Uh, Brandon, welcome to the podcast. Uh, YouTube friends, listeners, welcome. Uh, especially if you've been listening along, thank you. Um, it's episode 26. Brandon, what's up, my dude? Nothing. <laughs> like I said, I'm stoked to be here. It's good to be in good company. You're a great conversationalist, and. I think we've been vibing a lot recently. Lately, so I'm just, I'm stoked. Yeah, my first podcast ever in my whole life. Is is this really? Have you yeah. ever been interviewed before? Uh, back in high school once, but it was for something like very, very different. Okay, I'm actually genuinely curious now. What was it for? It was for well, it was KUTV because we basically saved a kid's life in high school. Oh my god! Wow. <laughs> Yeah, super, okay. super random, but wow. a kid got trapped under a car. His head got pinned to the asphalt by the car's axle, and then me and two of my friends lifted up the hood of the car and pulled him out. I was not expecting that. Oh, my <laughs> yeah. God. It was wild. Okay, so you have had a very serious interview. Um, I don't think we're going to be going that serious today. Yeah. Uh, I guess for the listeners, Brent, Brent I, don't, I, was, I don't know when we like first officially met do you do you do you know when we like met for the first time i don't no i remember seeing you but i don't remember actually meeting you okay yeah um i, I guess where i'm going with this is that we we have been like friends and acquaintances for like uh, from a distance for for years yeah um and as of like at least the last like two years or so i'm like yo i feel like i'd be like i could be homies with brandon like yeah. We'd actually have like a really good friendship, like DJing aside. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I'd say just the past month or two, we've been making that actually happen. So Yeah, finally. Yeah, finally. After all this time. Finally, yes. Um, <clears throat> and yes, I think you may have, uh, I guess, picked up on this, but uh, we, we met through DJing. Um, and I didn't know this, but you were there at the OG parties at like Planet Play and yep. uh, the Megaplex and whatnot, so... Yeah, Megaplex. I don't know if I went to the Megaplex ones, but Planet Play for Planet sure. Play. Yeah. When you were first starting out. That was those are the days, bro. I don't know if Parker will ever admit this, but he had a rat tail too. Yeah, dude. So oh, I, I love I'm so proud of that thing. <laughs> I remember Parker as the DJ with the rat tail and his American DJ controller, I think. He uh, had. American audio. Oh well, American audio, American sorry. Audio, yep. yeah. I remember it all. The black trussing yeah, that, that was, we all started out with back in the day, yeah. The $150 uh, <laughs> on stage stand yeah, black trussing, yeah. It was bad. Um, it was cool back then, but I yes. mean, looking back, it's like, whoa, that was that was bad. When you're 16 or 17. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I just got this sick new DJ gear. Um, I don't want to talk about my beginnings of DJing. I want to talk about your beginnings um, uh, to share a little bit about your story and then also... Uh, maybe if you've been listening along, I like to provide some like educational value to whether they're people in the event industry or specifically DJs or even just entrepreneurs in general. So, mm -hmm. um, setting the table there, Brandon, if you could take, take a few minutes and kind of walk, walk me through and the listeners through 
the beginnings of your story in in DJing mm-hmm. uh, back as a high schooler. Uh, what what does that what does that kind of look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm 27 now, so I think it really did start when I was around 16 or 17. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when Marcus Wing had just barely started DJing at Studio 600 in Salt Lake. Mm-hmm. So in high school, me and all my friends, we would go to like every single party. Mm-hmm. And after the first one, we were talking to each other and we were telling each other, like, we have to go to every single party. Mm-hmm. And then I we lived up to that statement. Like, we literally went to every single party. And we followed Marcus Wing from Studio 600 to the complex. And then I would also come check out your Planet Play parties. And <laughs> they were wild. Like, it was incredible. A beautiful time. I hear was, stuff after. They were wild. Yeah, they were wild. It was, it was crazy. It was like this brand new thing in Utah that, I mean, didn't exist before that, essentially. Like throwing parties? Mm-hmm. Like having big parties. You know, I think, I think Marcus Wing pioneered it, essentially. Gotcha. Yeah. And then... I, I wouldn't know. Uh, oh. but like, I, I would, be, I bl- I'd believe that claim. Like maybe there was yeah. like more underground stuff, but like large scale open to the public yeah, high yeah. school, college, that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. The intermediary between like a steak dance, which is way lame and a rave, which is too hardcore. It's, yes. Yeah. yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. There we go. So we would go to all those and I never contemplated DJing cause I just loved parties. You okay. know, I just would go to every party, dance, meet people, well, meet girls and Yes. You know, hang out with my friends. But yeah. then I went on a mission. Yeah. And when I came home, I still liked going to parties, but I stopped enjoying them for the reasons that I used to. Like, I didn't feel the novelty of, like, meeting people and having the thrill of, you know, like, being around new girls and stuff. And okay. okay. there was this time where I was actually at a steak dance and this guy was DJing there and he was awful. <laughs> I don't know if the listeners know what steak dances are, but... Uh, they, they they might. Yeah, it's... Uh, actually, give a preview in case they don't. Yeah, so steak dances are where the LDS church will host dance dances for people, where mm-hmm. everyone can come and dance inside the church building. It's usually inside. And mm-hmm. I went to a steak dance, and there was this DJ there. I forgot his name, but uh, I just remember him being, like, really bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I went up and talked to him, and I said, hey, like, how much are they paying you to come DJ here? Mm-hmm. And he said some number like seven hundred and fifty bucks. That's the first steak dance nearly ten years ago. That's pretty good. It was a lot, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and in my mind in I was Utah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And in my mind I was like, Okay, this guy is awful. And he's making money, like providing an experience that I'm pretty much living every weekend. Why don't I just start DJing? Hmm. So I think like a couple weeks later I went and bought like two alto speakers and alto sub. Let's go. <laughs> and then from Guitar Center. Yeah, from Guitar Center. Yeah. yeah. And then I didn't have uh, a controller, or, like turntables or anything at this point. This was just my laptop, and I would plug in my plug in my laptop through an aux cord and play Spotify and YouTube and switch between Spotify and YouTube. And I, yes. I started just DJing essentially. Yeah. And then I started getting really into it, and then I bought my first Newmark mix track controller which is just a small dj controller uh-huh. yeah i know the one man. and then i just never stopped and then it just kept going and going and then um one thing led to another and i was getting booked for weddings mm-hmm. and then high school dances mm-hmm. this is at the very beginning mm-hmm. and then in 2015 they started the tribe you know mm-hmm. eric and tanner a guy named parker Brian Holt. Mm-hmm. and i was there from the beginning but i technically didn't start i was just their dj but 
around 2015 is when oh. I started DJing. Okay. Uh, tw- okay. I did want to take take some time to talk about like the early days of the tribe because from an outsider perspective, even though like I don't think I really matter chatted, uh, it did seem like you were one of the OG like members or or creators mm-hmm. of the tribe. Uh, for listeners, if you could give a brief introduction of what the tribe is, uh, that'd be awesome. And then also maybe tell me about those early days hosting events and working with the tribe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So the tribe is an event company just mm-hmm. based out of Provo, Utah, and they started in 2015 and now they're, I think, the biggest event company in Utah Valley for college-age students. Mm-hmm. And how it started was, you know, my friends Eric Little, Tanner Valerio, Parker Brian Holt, mm-hmm. they wanted to host a free, some kind of free Halloween event. My memory is really fuzzy now. Sorry, I, I know, like, this event is coming back from my deep memory. <clears throat> were you friends with all of them prior? Oh, yeah, sorry. Like, you, you were friends growing up or high school at least? Yeah, so I, I've known Eric since high school. Okay. And then Tanner since middle school because I played soccer with him. And then okay. Parker's dad worked with my dad like years and years ago. So I've known these guys for a long time. Okay, I didn't know that. All right, yeah. awesome. Sorry, I didn't mean to <clears throat> oh, no, jump in. I was yeah. genuinely curious. Halloween party. Yeah, so then they rented out an event center in might have been Spanish Fork, somewhere down south, and they just wanted to host a free event. And I, I don't know the amount of people, but I think more than like 3,000 people came <laughs> for to this free Halloween event that they just randomly decided to put together. So Is then, this the one where you had you first initially bought those really tall blow-up like skeletons? Or was that down the road? I think that was down the road. Okay, yeah. all right, all right. But okay. yeah, we packed the place. We... There were so many people, they cracked, like, the foundation of the floor. So when you went to the basement, the ceiling was cracked. That's an, a, a, an expensive accomplishment, I guess? Yeah, it, <laughs> it, it, it stung a little. I mean, Eric took care of a lot of it. But yeah. but back then, I mean, it triggered in all of our minds. We all thought, like, hey, let's do this. Like, yeah. let's make something new happen. Uh-huh. And that's where it started. Huh. And that's where I started as a DJ, because that was my first event that I DJed at. Really? Yep. Uh, mm- Okay, help me understand the difference between uh, the events you had done prior and, you know, of course, maybe, you know, playing on Spotify and YouTube and on your first controller, your first Newmark controller to, like, that first event, DJing. Mm -hmm. I think I can kind of understand that, but for listeners and people who aren't in the entertainment or DJ world, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so when I first started DJing, I was just doing weddings and high school dances but when you actually so djs primarily will mix music and like blend it together make it sound presentable and like make it sound awesome yeah yeah you know have really good transitions and everything like that but when i first started i would just switch between songs on youtube and spotify so i wasn't djing it was just like choosing songs like how regular you know dads at high school dances choose songs you weren't mixing you weren't Mm. mixing with much technical skill uh I mean, in, in a way, I think like that's still DJing, and I think a lot of a lot of uh, earlier DJs would technically call that DJ, and you're picking the right song to play, and you're playing it at a specific time. Um, but what you're referencing or getting at the difference is actually utilizing skill and technique on your controller on your turntables and playing for a big crowd. Mm-hmm. Is that is that what you're getting at, or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. so then that event in Halloween, that's when it kickstarted actual DJing for me. Okay. Like, that's that's what I consider my beginning. Okay. So then from that point moving forward, I 
became technical, so to say. So yeah. I, I started progressing and advancing in that aspect. No more Spotify, you know, downloaded oh, mixing dear. software and programs. And then Sorry. I just went for it and I never stopped. I can't seem to find a comfortable spot. <laughs> there we go. I think I need a, a pillow behind me. There we go. Um, okay. So this is, you're going to think this is funny. My friends, when I first started, dude, we had a very similar, like, beginning in DJing, like yeah. steak dance and going to Marcus Wings parties and stuff like that. Uh, and even when I started, I was mixing off virtual DJ on my laptop with no controller. Mm-hmm. My friends would razz me and call me DJ Pandora because like I wasn't <laughs> doing anything special. Like I was yeah. literally like, DJ you know, Pandora. like high pass filter out with my mouse on my HP laptop yeah. on virtual DJ. Um, and I'll oh, do the same friends like filmed a video of them burning my business card and making fun of me and all that great stuff. They're still with me today. They're still great friends, but, um, yeah, anyways, sorry. side sidetrack right there. Okay. So, uh, tell, tell me a little bit more and listeners a little bit more about that time. Uh, the early days working with the tribe and hosting events, like clearly the first event was a success and got you thinking more seriously. Like, is this something we want to do? Mm-hmm. Is this something we can do? Yeah. So it's interesting because, this it really jump started like what I envisioned myself doing in the future also because I mean I never really knew back then but as as for the tribe we started doing events and I would DJ all of their events mm-hmm. alongside Parker Brian Holt and but then eventually like three years down the road or maybe like four-ish years around like 2018 to 2019 like once again I hate saying it, but the novelty kind of wears off. Like you DJ big events and it kind of becomes monotonous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then I started thinking to myself, like DJing, I've progressed, you know, so far in this realm of college age parties and entertained thousands. But at the same yeah. time, it's like, I want to build something for myself also. So then as a DJ, I started looking into producing also, you know, checking out stuff like that. And then the tribe is still doing what they're doing. But mm-hmm. then I kind of like branched off a little bit where I wasn't tackling everything head on and I kind of like stepped off to the side and then I focused more on just producing and DJing but not in that realm specifically okay uh you you made the trans a natural transition to where I wanted to go next is producing I feel like we we jumped over a lot of time though in your experience DJing like Mm. you've done some really big events I've I've only been to a few tribe events just because like I'm I'm usually booked when y'all are doing events. Like it just, you know, that's how it goes in the event industry. Yeah. Um, uh, were there, was there any event in particular that absolutely blew your mind or uh, maybe a fun story over the years in working regularly with the tribe um, that comes to mind? Hmm. Cause, cause that, that's, that's a good chunk <clears throat> of time and your experience DJing uh, to like jump over. Yeah. There's, there's a lot to cover. Like, we don't have enough time to cover that much. But for one specific instance that I had yeah. where it was pretty mind-blowing, and I would even borderline say psychedelic was, it was New Year's of 2019, like going into 2020. And where did you host that at? It was at the UCCU Center. Okay. Yeah. Dope. So, I mean, back in the day, I would always go to those New Year's parties at the UCCU Center by Marcus Wing and... I remember one day I asked Marcus after an event. He didn't know me at the time, but I was like, hey, what does it take to DJ at one of these? And Marcus was like, it's a really tight-knit group, and, you know, we don't have any openings. That I think that was, like, five years before, and then I was playing yeah. at the UCCU that 
same year on the same stage with him. But anyways, that's like a funny story. But yeah, there was this experience that I had. I don't talk about this often, but this must have been the pinnacle of experiences in that sphere because I like tapped into some kind of flow state or altered state of consciousness throughout that event. You know, I was completely sober, but I think there was just this moment when the realization hits when you see 5,000 people like dancing to you DJing and everyone's in the present moment and something just clicked and I was like, whoa. And I don't want to say it was revelatory, but like I started tearing up and even my vision got sharper, you know, and I started having this like spiritual visceral experience where I was like, this is beautiful. Hmm. And that's the best night of DJing I've ever had. I mean, were you playing at that like midnight time frame, kind of 11? It was probably like 10.30 to 11.30. Yeah. <laughs> that many people at that time. Yeah. It was, um, it's huge. Uh, like I'm, I'm getting, getting the chills as you're <laughs> explaining that. Uh, I think for a DJ, you know, some of those moments come every now and then. Mm -hmm. um, when everyone is so in, like, you know, what, it's not encaptured. What's the right word? I do this too too often. I can't come up with the right word. Uh, every, everyone is so, yeah, captured by the moment, if you will, and mm -hmm. um, almost like connected to the energy that you're facilitating and providing. Like that is a really, that's a damn cool <laughs> feeling. Um, did, did this particular event, that particular moment, like, did that kind of shift directions for you? Or was that just like an incredibly memorable moment over the years doing such large events? Like, <clears throat> is my question making sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it shifted okay. a lot of my perspective about DJing. I mean, okay. we're talking about like bringing the energy. But, like that night, I didn't feel like I brought the energy, but I felt like I added to it. Yeah. Meaning, like, I brought an experience to a lot of people, right? And at at that moment, because there had been so many events that I had done previously where that hasn't happened, to where I feel, like, a spiritual feeling with it. Okay. So, after that, I started thinking to myself, how can I, how can I keep doing this? But, like, how do I keep... This is hard to, this is hard to word in my mind, but, like, how can I keep adding these types of experiences to my life? Because I can't just do it in, like college settings because i want i want to do it to like a lot of people i want to entertain and like help uplift people mm. and enable them to have memorable experiences and feel that spiritual mm. like satisfied feeling where you're emotionally connected and everyone's in the moment and the the reason why it changed my perception is because after that moment i realized i had to change my course also I because see. yeah I, I, I can't, I don't want to be DJing college events when I'm like 33. So mm -hmm. then I'm like, logically, the next step is production and like mm -hmm. making my own music. And like, if I can just do this with DJing and like, imagine if it was my own song and people were enjoying themselves mm -hmm. and that kind of just catapulted me to just be like, boom, produce. That makes sense. Yeah. As, as you're continuing to like describe the thought process there, I'm like, okay, I'm following along. This makes sense. This yeah. makes sense. This makes sense. Um, Okay, so uh, was it tw 2019 when you kind of started dabbling in production or like 2020 is really when you really, I guess, started going down that path, mm -hmm. building that path? It was 2019 when I started. Okay. Uh, beginning of 2020 is when I really started. Hit which it is a lot harder. Which is weird because it was the beginning of the pandemic, but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
we try to make it happen. I, I imagine you were able to play some of your own track or edits or, or even own personal tracks in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe at the beginning or some off end events throughout the year when it was okay to do stuff like that, larger <laughs> yeah. scale. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I was. Huh. Um, okay, let's let's uh, we're, now we're into producing. Um, Brandon, I'll I'll be honest, dude. I tried producing when I was like a senior in high school, and I am not a technology person. Uh, I am also not a person who can sit down in front of a computer or or a laptop for a long time. Uh, I remember uh, my my thought process was if I want to produce music, I need to like understand the basics of music, and so I actually, as a senior, I. Um, I started piano lessons. Mm-hmm. I took piano lessons for a couple months, and I remember played. I played a recital. I was the oldest one there, and um, my my teacher was so proud of me. There was like three or four year olds playing, and everything else, maybe up to like a sixteen year old. Yeah. Um, my professor, my teacher, was so excited. She's like, "Parker, you're such a great <laughs> example." She went on and spoke before me. She's like, "I just want this to be a." A message to everyone that you're no one's too young or too old to learn how to play piano, whatever. It was, it was really funny, but anyways, I'm I'm going somewhere with this. I'm I got a point. Uh, I tried getting into the world of producing, and it's just so overwhelmed um, by trying to learn the softwares, the software, and the ins and outs of even making sound come out of like what a, the MIDI controller and everything that I was using. Um, so I I put a pause on that uh, pretty quickly. Uh, Tell me a little bit about, I guess, your path venturing into producing. Uh, what was what has been like maybe one of the bigger challenges in getting started and beginning to learn how that that world works. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, so that's it's kind of funny. Your piano teacher put you on blast, but oh yeah, she no, she put me on blast. She was like bragging, dude. It was it was it was kind of dope. Like it was definitely silly, but um, I thought it was fun. But anyways, that, that was just a side story. Uh, to add to the conversation, but yeah. t- tell tell me a little bit about your journey and um, in in becoming familiar with the world of producing, if you will. Yeah, I love to. So um, production started out. Um, I started out, I think, as a lot of other people do. Like I opened up the DAW, which is a digital audio workstation where you make your music. Okay. I actually use Logic, which okay. you know is the same DAW right there. Okay. And because I I realized I wanted to get into it, but. I, I was starting from scratch. Like I had no idea. So I, I would watch a couple YouTube tutorials and then one day I just hopped in and <laughs> this is kind of a funny story. I don't tell people, but, um, you know, I was so stoked to start, you know, mm-hmm. I, I buy logic at it on my computer and I think I open a, a synth. It was like the ESW. I forget what it's called. Cause I use serum now, but I opened up a synthesizer. Okay. I pressed the button and like a weird note or like a siren went off and I couldn't figure out how to turn it off. So there's like this constant like, like playing over and over again. And then I closed the program and I think I like sat there and teared up. I'm like, there's, no, <laughs> I'm like, there's no way in hell I'm making it. Like, I, okay, I, see I, will, I will never make a track or anything. I couldn't, you couldn't figure out how to turn it off. I couldn't, I couldn't figure out how to just simply turn off a note that was sustaining itself. And I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm useless. Like I'm never going to make it. Yeah. That, that would have been me. And then I would have, <laughs> yeah, I'm not one to like quit, but like, <laughs> it got it got scary but yeah. i started producing and i just watched tutorials put like simple youtube 
Just yeah, YouTube stuff? just YouTube tutorials. Okay. And I yeah. put simple beats together, hip hop, um, and then a little bit of future bass. And and this was like all throughout 2019. And Now you're kind of a future bass kind of guy. Yeah. Or, I, or at least were. I, were, I was, was. I used to be a lot, yeah. But then um, there's really... I don't know how to explain like how to get proficient besides you just keep going. You know, it's kind of like working out, you know, you work out and the next day you feel awful cause you're sore uh-huh. and you're like, I haven't ever used these muscles. Okay. And, but that's it as a production too. Like I just kept going and going and going and then mm-hmm. things started clicking, you know, mm-hmm. tutorials on, you know, how to compress and do everything. And this is like a whole other world that, mm-hmm. you know, it would take a long time to talk about, but I mean, going down the road a little bit more, I started getting into house music. Yeah. And this was at the end of 2019 going into 2020. And that's when I feel like it clicked. When I'm like, okay, I can actually make stuff. And then I started jumping in to house. And then I haven't stopped since. Huh. I love it. I don't know if that answered your question, but... No, but- it, it does. Um, my mind kind of transported to uh, campus. I just graduated from the U, as you, you know, but... Um- house music at the U like yeah. at college parties fraternity parties like it's that's where it's at yeah. and it, it's so fun like navigating <laughs> back and forth between hip hop and house hip hop and house but um uh kind of jumping back to my question and, and back to your response there uh it sounds like constant pro- progression even if it's you know one day at a time or one hour at a time and then utilizing YouTube as a tool or a resource for Becoming familiar with the, what do you call it? The DAW? The DAW, yeah. The DAW. Becoming familiar with the DAW, how to navigate through there and, and manipulate certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's funny. I asked Jerry a similar question, and he, he suggested YouTube as well mm-hmm. um, as a resource. Uh, uh, did you have any mentors or any other producing friends that kind of showed you <clears throat> showed you some ropes or just trial and error and, and it YouTube? Was, it was trial and error and then Blake Rawlings. Okay, dope. Yeah, so I need to, I need to I need to hit <laughs> yeah. him up too. Okay, Blake Rawlings. Yeah, because we started a, D, a DJ duo. Yes, at the, at the beginning of twenty twenty. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so he really like helped me jump into house too, hmm. and me and him were making some really cool stuff within like six months. But yeah, something that's interesting too that I always think about is like when it comes to starting brand new things. Like when you started as a DJ, we you started from scratch. Also, I wonder. I don't wonder, but. I'm always contemplating how many people are in that beginning stage and they'll like come across something like this and they're like, can I really do DJing production or like entertainment? Mm -hmm. And cause I've heard people talk about this recently. Someone just asked me, they're like, do you like, do you, do you feel like you've made it? And I was like, no, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like obviously not. I mean, I'm not like some rich person, but the person that was asking me wanted to get into and and I said, I don't think I'll ever feel like I'm going to make it. But like, if you start on the path and you just keep going, you're going to get really far Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as long as you're consistent. Sorry, that's just a random tangent. No, you're you're good. I love it. I wanted to add on to that, that thought process. I have this, I have this almost like theory that, um, people don't believe that they are, um, as capable as they truly are or as strong as they truly are. Um, and, are, are, I guess you say giving up for the lack of better words, um, on certain things, um, because, you know, maybe one setback. Uh, and I, I think that, uh, 
that's in in my personal opinion like that's that's reasoning why what people you know don't don't go after after that crazy idea they had when they were in high school or whatever um i'm not saying like i'm i'm an example of pushing beyond that uh i just uh getting lost in my, my train of thought right now, Brandon. But what I'm trying to say, if I can nail this home, is I don't think people give themselves enough credit um, and don't believe that they're as strong as they truly are. I agree. And um, like uh, maybe, for example, jumping back to that initial time you opened up that software uh, and <laughs> that constant loop could not <clears throat> shut up. So you just close your laptop. Like, you know, I, I think a lot of people would view that as like, I really don't know if I have what it takes. Mm-hmm. And then they might try it two or three more times and then give up. Um, and so, uh, yeah, no, I appreciate you bringing that up. I, I feel like I'm kind of rambling now, but, um, uh, another random, another (laughs) random thing I want to interject to the ramble. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if people realize also, also, are we short on time? We we got like three minutes. Okay. I was going to say also, I don't think people realize that the ladder that people think they have to climb is kind of arbitrary because everyone's path to success is going to be super different. Like mm-hmm. from the time I opened the DAW for the first time to having a track played by Dr. Fresh on his live stream. Yes, is, bro. Yeah. Mm. That's the highlight of my life. So shout out to Blake Rawlings and for his production right there. Cause me and him produced a track called silly rabbit that, that Dr. Fresh apparently really liked. But mm. from the time frame that I opened the DAW to having our own record be played by Dr. Fresh was only two and a half years. That's, that's, that's like a blink. You yeah, about it. and it's it happens super quickly, but mm. that's that's what uh, it's interesting too because some people just don't realize that they can still make it happen fairly quickly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if they want to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have so many questions, but I feel like I'm the one being questioned. So, um, because I know a lot of people will know your story if they listen to you. So I'm just trying to think of like anything mm. I could add. But. Okay, I got a question for you, uh, Brandon. If you could give one tip. Uh, for whether whether it be DJing or producing to someone who's brand new and contemplating the idea, mm-hmm. what would it be? I, I would honestly say at this point, just do it. You know, Nike, give me free stuff. <laughs> I, that's not a plug for Nike. Yeah, you're not even wearing Nike. I know. <laughs> I don't think I own Nike stuff. <laughs> okay. Anyway, no, just, yeah, just do it. Yeah, seriously, just do it. Um, it's it's going to be easier it's simultaneously going to be easier than you think and harder than you think. But as long as you just do it and you just keep going and progressing and mm. you're, you're going to learn, you're going to fail. And it's all, it's all part of the cycle we're all in, but mm-hmm. yeah, just simply get, at least get started on the path. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do it right now, like someone else is going to do it. So True. it might as well be you. True. True. Oh yeah. Oh man. You're bringing back memories right now. Um, Oh, dude, I remember, <laughs> I remember when I first started like getting into like lifting and I remember waking up like early on a Saturday morning in high school thinking like, oh my gosh, I don't want to do this. And then I remember if I'm not doing it, someone else is going out there and do it. I look <laughs> myself in the mirror. I'm like, all right, we're going to the freaking gym. Let's go. Um, and then before you know it, when you take that leap and you keep going and, and being consistent with it, you get signed to a record. Do we want to talk anything about that right now? And right, we can. It. <laughs> that- that was a, that Give was a, a little cool preview. Switch, yeah. yeah. I, I did get signed. Well, re- one record <laughs> that I made got signed to a record label called No Face Records. No Face Records. Which is a house label record. It's a house record label based out of Dominic, the Dominican Republic. 
out of all places. That's dope. So there's a guy named Max Vangeli who he's a mixing engineer. I think he might be a DJ and producer also, but he works with like Tiesto and Martin Garrix and all of them. And he's been the one that I've been talking to, which is really cool. (laughs) But I'm not trying to get like overexcited because this is just a stepping stone, but but, but I, I think it'll be really cool. It's a cool opportunity. I'm I'm really blessed to have it. So we'll see what what happens. A big milestone. I feel like I don't know who this person is. He's I know who those DJs are. You're underselling. He's underselling it. Uh, Brandon Estrada, ladies and gentlemen. Where can the people uh, look you up to follow you or to listen to your music and your webs and the <laughs> and cats? Yeah, just Instagram at Brandon Estrada. So yeah. it's B R A N D E N. E-N. Yep, E-N. It's different. And then E-S-T-R-A-D-A. And then the single releases on January 31st. So Yo, let's go. And then from there, who knows? Sorry, I'm laughing. (laughs) I'm sure you love it when people call you Brandon. Brandon. Brandon? Brandon? Everyone everyone misspelled my name. Brandon Estrada, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Single releases January 31st. That's in like three weeks? Yeah. Less than three weeks? Yeah. That's dope. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Brandon Estrada, thank you for joining us in our ramble session. Nick Knorr, thank you for being patient with us. Uh, if you have yet to go follow this dude, and um, if you are feeling it, leave a review in the podcast. Um, share it with a significant other. Like, subscribe, add us on Facebook, all that great stuff. Um, Brandon Estrada, any, any last bidding words to the people? Cheers, mates. <laughs> Cheers, mates. Oh, if I had, what's, is it the kava? What's, it's the mate cup. If I have my mate, I would, <laughs> I would cheers you. Uh, we'll cheers you all the way into next week for the next episode of Behind the Energy Podcast. All right. Thanks, Parker. <laughs> <laughs> have a good night, guys. <laughs>